to So What's the Problem, a podcast in which we rewatch movies from our youth to determine if they're problematic by today's oh, Jesus by today's standards. <laughs> I'm Jimmy, and I'm Jen. Today we're talking about the crush. I have come up with one positive. You actually come up with a couple of positives there when you were talking about the film, but I have come up with one positive in this film, something I actually genuinely like. Okay. When they're in the attic. Mm-hmm. And um, Cheyenne is tied up mm-hmm. on the um, carousel, and he's mm-hmm. trying to get her off the carousel, untie her. And the dad is taking his sweet ass time trying to get up into the attic to save save his daughter because he thinks his daughter's in trouble. And Adrian runs towards Nick with I think it's a crowbar or something mm-hmm. in her hand. Mm-hmm. And yeah. with one hand he grabs a crowbar and with the other hand he punches her the fuck out <laughs> and she goes flying about seven feet through the air. <laughs> that is one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I found that moment on YouTube and just watched it a couple of times. <laughs> Even after I watched the movie. It's so yeah. stupid. That is the one thing I remember about the movie that I, and I think it is amazing. Well, and I, I, I can't tell. Are they trying to be serious, or do they know how ridiculous it is? I think it's. A, I don't know actually, because <laughs> it is cartoonish. It absolutely is, because she's running at him, and the music's swelling, and she's screaming, and then as soon as he punches her, the music stops, and she stops screaming because she goes flying through the air, and it's just really fucking funny. And um, I mean, she goes flying. She does. It's fantastic. Oh man, it's like the Hulk punched her. <laughs> oh my god, it's it's like when Buffy, because I always bring up Buffy. Of course, when we talk. Uh, it's like when Buffy would be thrown up against the wall, and like the whole wall would break. And it's like, dude, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it's like it doesn't make sense that he would punch her and she would go flying across the attic. No, that's brilliant. Oh. It's iconic, is what it is. It is. It's fantastic. It's the best thing about this. If you don't watch the film, dear listeners, just go on, <laughs> go on YouTube and just look for the Crush 1993 um, end scene or um, carousel scene or whatever or punch maybe. <laughs> also, if you don't watch it. the movie, just go watch the trailer because they show you a bunch of stuff from the end in the trailer. Yeah, the terrible and, trailer. And the trailer, her name is uh, Darian in the trailer. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, obviously. And today we'll be talking about Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> so one heartbreaking thing, you know, Gabby Hoffman got back into acting within like the last five or six years. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, I've read interviews with her and stuff. And at the time, like, I loved her so much. Like, I loved Now and Then, which this movie has three people from that movie. And all I right, just, yeah. So well, I, I know two. Yeah, because Rita Wilson, Rosie O'Donnell, right? Okay, yeah, right, yeah, right. So I was reading an interview with her a few years ago. And I always just thought, like, that we would have been, like, friends if we met, like, when I was a kid. And she was talking about Now and Then, and she was like, I wasn't into that. I was more into Pulp Fiction at that time. And I'm like, ooh, she was advanced off screen, too, (laughs) that she was watching Pulp Fiction while I was watching Now and Then. (laughs) And I don't think we could have been friends. I was not ready for Pulp Fiction yet. Well, not then, but you might be able to be friends now. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I think she's still too advanced for me. <laughs> I'm intimidated by a woman who can like show her full bush on TV. Right. That puts her in a place where I'm just like, I don't know. 
<laughs> because I blush just saying full bush. Yeah, so. as, as, I blush just hearing you say it. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to find a better way to say it, but there was no better way to say it. Well, if the F-bombs didn't make sure this is going to have an explicit tag, then that certainly did. <laughs> Today, we're talking about can't handle weight. Um, my second problem is Kenny Fisher. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with the cultural appropriation because the movie is constantly telling us that he's wrong to do it. It's not as though he's telling us that uh, the movie's telling us it's a cool thing to do. Um, that doesn't really bother me as much. My problem is this. He and Denise are stuck in the bathroom. He doesn't wash his hands? He pees and doesn't wash his hands. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I bet that's going to be one of the problems. I hate it. I hate it, Jen. <laughs> and he's got his hands are all, all over her face when they're kissing. And, <laughs> and I do remember, I don't remember exactly what they said, but I do remember there being an entire debate about this on the commentary. Right. Like, the people would come up to them on the street and say that they had a problem with that. And it was so funny. Like, I remember watching it. I didn't notice it. I do not notice things like that, <laughs> usually. Or I didn't at the time. Yeah. I'm not a very observant person. Um, but now, I like, ever since I listened to the commentary, I can't not see it. And it. And now, while we're dealing with the pandemic, it's really driving me crazy. I know. I mean, it's always bothered me. Ugh. If I'm in a public bathroom which I haven't been in quite some time, obviously. <laughs> if there's a guy who has peed and he doesn't wash his hands and he walks right out the door and I want to shout, hey, wash your hands, and then he might come back and smack me in the face and since he hasn't washed his hands, I don't want any contact <laughs> with my face, so it's probably best not to shout at him. But yeah, it's disgusting. Always wash your hands, folks! <laughs> Today we'll be discussing Drop Dead Fred. There's a way to watch it where, at least for a while, you think Phoebe Cates is crazy. Like, there's a certain point where it's clear she's not, like, dropped it yes. by real. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> because I've read articles saying it's all in her head, the entire movie, and it's all about, you know, um, PTSD and childhood trauma, and, and yes, it is, but Fred's real. So, thank you. Fred is definitely real. If there's any question, it should go away when they go to the therapist. Yep. And he is seeing the other imaginary friends, but she's not seeing them. That would make absolutely no sense if it's all in her head. And also the fact that the, you know, like her friend's little girl sees him when, I mean, I'm going to assume her friend didn't tell, you know, the little girl about him. But also in the therapy room, um, we actually see another child's point of view of his imaginary friend. Yeah. So the imaginary friends are real. But my problem is like, yeah, it's one thing for us to think that maybe Elizabeth is a little crazy Mm -hmm. because maybe he's imaginary. But like, Janie is fucking nuts. (laughs) I don't know. There's something about it that has always bothered me. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I can't, and especially as an adult, it's like she's in her damn workplace and she's behaving this way, and I'm just like, I'm. I start to be more concerned for her than Elizabeth. Yeah, because we know that Elizabeth is right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but we don't know what her deal is. <laughs> what Carrie Fisher's yeah. deal is. You know that the um podcast. How did this get made? Yeah. Um, Paul Shear. Well, they did a show about this, and I remember listening to it. A uh, couple was it last year, I think it was released. And um, 
the very first line, the very first thing that Paul Shear says is, "It's Fight Club, but for kids," which is wrong in both levels. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's neither Fight Club nor is it for kids. So there you go. No, I I, I get that though. The article I read was a really well written article, and um, the woman put across her points very very well. But she didn't include the very last scene or the scene with the other imaginary friends in the, the, the office. So if you read that and you hadn't seen the movie in a while, you, you would be, you know, all right and thinking, yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. It's all right to believe it yeah. because she doesn't include those two things. Uh, but Fred's real, people. Today, we'll be talking about Emma's fire. Right, so my positive as the end credits because it means the movie is over and I don't have to put up these horrible <laughs> human beings ever again until the next time I see the music video on TV. <laughs> so there. <yeah>. That. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about Home Alone. There are so many people who say the second movie is better than the first and I do not get those people. Those people are insane. I've only seen crazy people. I've only seen the second movie a handful of times, like as opposed to this movie, which I've seen at least partially, probably fifty or sixty times. Uh, and I just, I have no. Even before Trump was a political problem, I was avoiding Home Alone too. Uh, See, I never understood the Trump cameo in that movie. Mm. I mean, New York, fair enough, right? But me being a Scot. Mm-hmm. And I knew who Donald Trump was, but it it didn't really ha- it didn't have the same impact to me as I'm assuming it's supposed to have in America. It's like it's um it's New York, so I, Trump I, Towers is here. So Trump, and I'm like, yeah, I man. have a story about that, and it's a good thing you don't go on Facebook very much because I can tell you this story, and you won't have read okay. it. I posted it yesterday. <laughs> okay, Not so having- so um, I guess you know if that's your assumption about Trump being there, you don't know the deal with Trump properties. So Trump owned the Plaza Hotel at this point when when Home Alone 2 was filmed. And, you know, people often wanted to film on his properties. And his rule is, if you film on my property, you have to put me in your movie. Because he has a massive ego. So I forget what movie it was, but there was there was a movie. I remember hearing a story about Matt Damon where he's like, yeah, we filmed it and then we didn't put it in the movie. And that's what usually happens is. When they film on Trump properties, they film something with him, and then they just cut it out of the movie. So that moment with Trump was in Home Alone 2, and they, I guess, were, like, considering cutting it out. They just kind of, you know, they're showing it to test audiences, so it's not fully fully edited yet. um, Like, fully locked. And so they show it to audiences, and when Trump comes on the screen, and this is, well, like, 92? Mm-hmm. Um, when Trump comes on the screen, the audience cheers. And so they. Right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you were really gonna walk away there. <laughs> I wanted to. No, but the, oh. but the but the crazy thing is, is like he said they didn't understand it at the time, but because people cheered so much, they kept it in, right? Because like the audience clearly cared, and I don't understand it either. Because <laughs> um, I mean, this is a decade before The Apprentice, and it's just he was someone that was so recognizable to people. And I mean, obviously, like, I can't argue with that because I've been aware of his existence since I was a kid, but I didn't actually really know anything about him or what he did until The Apprentice. Like, up until then, he was just some dude 
who was rich and lived in New York. Today we'll be discussing the Terminator. Right. My third problem is the sex scene. You don't like their sexy <laughs> sex? No, I don't like the sexy sex. Um, <laughs> because it's it's shot. It's shot like a softcore porn movie. <laughs> and it's shot like someone who maybe at that point hasn't had a lot of sex. Or <laughs> hasn't, you know, seen a lot of sex. It's just a very weird sort of slow motion Do you think that James Cameron was a virgin when he made this? <laughs> I don't want to speculate. <laughs> I don't want to speculate. Uh, I And that's not... You know, Dylan, I just realized how many conversations about this movie I made Dylan have with me before he was even fully awake. Because then I got into a whole thing about whether or not Kyle Reese is a virgin. And I think Kyle Reese was a virgin. You do? Okay, because yeah. Dylan, Dylan didn't think so, but I like to think so. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, alright. So it's canon. Right. <laughs> I, think, uh, anyway. I think he was. The I sex scene, like, don't you think at this point they smell really bad? They're, it's going to be vile, especially <laughs> Kyle, who he didn't even have mouthwash before he came into 1984. <laughs> you know, so whereas yeah. um, Sarah at least had that benefit because she might have, you know, brushed her teeth before going out that night. Do you th- do you think <laughs> they can even get a good shower in 2029? Like a really good shower? Well, not in their 2029. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, so it's not just that he hasn't showered in a couple of days or whatever. It's like he hasn't but it's showered. like he hasn't had like a good. Sh- it's kind of like when I watch Lost, I just think about how smelly they must all be. Yeah, because even when well. they find water to bathe in, or like they find a waterfall or whatever, it's never going to be quite right. No. Also, I have a question to pose to you. Um, does Sarah pity fuck Kyle? Is that a pity fuck? I, oh, it might be a little. <laughs> it might be a little. Um, yeah, I think, I think she's sad about the, the virgin that has come to save her. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, you know, it'd been so long since I seen it, I'd forgotten about when they have sex and I was just like, you know, I'm watching it and I'm like, the whole time I'm thinking, why would you have sex during this? And once they got mm. the hotel room and like, were able to rest a little and stuff, I was like, okay, I maybe get it a little better, but yeah, I found the sex scene to be cheesy. Yeah, it is. And I don't, I don't think it sits right with the rest of the movie. It's no. sort of a, a jarring sort of tonal change. It's just sort of like this horror movie and then we're straight into softcore porn. And there are sex scenes in horror movies, mm-hmm. but they're not like this. They're not trying to be artistic. I think you were trying to be artistic. Do you... <laughs> okay, so if the whole premise is that like Kyle Reese is John Connor's father... Uh-huh. And he dies at the end. So, like, they have a very small window (laughs) in which Sarah and Kyle can have sex. Do you think there's really any way they could have filmed this where it wouldn't have felt weird? What, the sex scene? Yeah, sex scene in the middle of, like, what they're dealing with. Well, just not show the sex. Just fade out, fade to black, and then have them lying in bed and then hear the dog bark. (laughs) 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 that's it the dog barks wakes him up they have Uh, to grab the things and run away (laughs) need that on a bumper sticker (laughs) um 
and today we'll be discussing Little Monsters. Uh, at least with Drop Dead Fred, like, yeah, he did pranks that got Lizzie in trouble, but Lizzie got to participate in them. Mm-hmm. Like, she was fully aware of what was going on, and even if she wasn't always thrilled that uh, she got all the blame for it, like, at least she knew. They're, like, going in, doing this stuff, and the kids have no idea, mm-hmm. which seems even more unfair. Like, It'd be nice to at least know why you're being blamed for something, but it's just like these things are mysteriously happening. And for all they know, the parents are lying about what, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like it, it's not funny. I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's cute. It was really, really upsetting me, especially since you think about the fact that like some kids are going to get their asses beat for yeah. it by their parents. Yeah. Especially the ones who, um, apparently shaved a cat. <laughs> they shaved a cat. Yeah. What the fuck is that? <laughs> I mean, we don't see it. That's fine, but come on now. Well, and think think about this. And this is this just shows that I'm an adult who shouldn't be watching movies like this because you don't have these thoughts when you're a kid, when you're a kid, right? Right. But I keep thinking about the fact that like 30 years down the line, these kids are in their 40s and they're at home for Christmas and somehow still get in a fight with their parents. Mhm. About this thing they supposedly did when they were a kid. Like, that, it's not like your parents get mad and then it's done. That's the sort of stuff that parents love to bring up over yeah. and over and over again. Remember that time when you were 10 when you shaved the cat? That my mom would have, like, t- today I, I celebrated my birthday with my parents. Mm-hmm. If anything like this had happened, my mom probably would have brought it up today. Yeah. So. Exactly. <laughs> they would. Parents would do that. Yeah. I mean, some might use it as a, like, quote-unquote cute anecdote mm-hmm. but then others would absolutely just want to rub your face in it but mm-hmm. when I was re-watching it I was reminded of that scene and I remember at the time thinking all those kids look fucking terrified mm-hmm. um, there's like one who looks like they're about to burst out laughing which is fair enough but all the kids that are getting yelled at just look like they, they know that they're in trouble and it's like that's not funny what about the the baby? See, the baby shows um shows you that these fucking bastard monsters do this from a very early age, mm-hmm. and they will probably torment that child growing up. It's really upsetting. It is, and we're supposed to think this is funny or cute. We're supposed to be happy when boy dies at the end. But there's no implication that they're not going to do just keep on doing what they're doing. There's none. Because they're not doing it for any reason other than they think it's fun. They enjoy doing it. I'm really depressed now, man. It's a really fucked up film. It really is. Today we'll be discussing Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Okay, so my first problem, and this is a huge problem, is the mother. That's my second problem. (laughs) I think she's a (laughs) terrible... I think she's a terrible person. First of all, I had, you know, you know me and, and uh, dealing with how I've aged, considering I feel like I'm like a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point she said, I've had a rough 37 years and I need a break. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, I want to die if I'm two years older than her. Like, I was like, do I look this old? Like, what's the deal? And when I looked the actress up, she's in her mid 40s. So that made me feel better because she did not look 37. <laughs> I think that was kind of the point, though, wasn't it? Maybe, maybe. But for a second, again, look, I just had a birthday and I get really depressed around my birthday. Not because yeah. of getting older, but just for other reasons. So, like, that was going to really, really bug me. But, okay, so she's mother of five. 
all kids who are in school who are like of school age except for the one who just graduated high school she has first of all she's hired a babysitter and hasn't bothered to talk to them like she clearly has not talked to them about the plan for the summer because they assume they're going to be alone right and at one point in the movie sue ellen gets mad at her brother for having the air on too high and uh she's talking about how she's got bills to pay um and you know and that bill would you know, for the air conditioning would be too high. And I'm like, why wouldn't, why would the mother go away for three months and not prepay her bills? Like this woman has left them for the summer with a stranger that she did not give them warning about who she doesn't even know. She's trusting her children with this woman for the entire summer. Mm-hmm. And she hasn't taken care of bills and stuff. Um, and that house is disgusting. Yeah. I wanted to throw up every time I saw that. Yeah. Like, like, you'd think the house would be messy because the kids are alone, but it was like that already. Um, it was, I was talking to Dylan about it earlier, and I said it reminded me of uh, the house in the first, the kitchen in the first season of Party of Five, which when we were recording our, our Party of Five podcast and covering the first season, I was constantly mentioning that kitchen because it made me want to puke. But their kitchen was messy because their parents were dead. This mom, like, I get the whole thing is that the kids are out of control. They do whatever they want. They don't help around the house. They don't take any responsibility. But, like... Like, what the hell, woman? Like, Uh-oh. I just don't think she... I They do so much better without her that I feel like maybe she should have moved to Australia and uh, sent a check every once in a while. And Sue Ellen, and I already forgot the the, the oldest brother's name, but they, they could have taken care of the kids together. Kenny? Kenny, yes. Yeah. And also, looking at all these kids, couldn't the mom have, like, worked out something with a friend's parent where like maybe they stayed with a friend for the summer yeah. or something like if you're gonna leave five kids she's useless well and the, i mean and this is why i only have one kid because i think i'd be a terrible mother if i had five <laughs> kids and i know that about myself this movie should be called don't tell mom she's fucking useless yes don't tell mom she's fucking useless <laughs> i sorry i have to write that down but... <laughs> Today we'll be discussing Supergirl. Right, so my first problem, Jen, mm-hmm. is where does her suit come from? Oh, that's my first problem. Where does the suit come from? Why does she have the suit? Like, what's the purpose of that? I do not understand. She, like, as far as I know, she doesn't know anything about her cousin's life no. on Earth. Nobody does. Like, so she probably doesn't know about his costume. I don't remember the Superman movies well enough to know, like, where his costume comes from. So I don't know. But, like, I seriously doubt little baby Superman showed up with the costume no. on. He was naked. So, like, what? Well, and I'm going to, since we both have the same first problem, I'm going to mm-hmm. add on to it and be like, how does she know about Clark Kent? Yeah, exactly. She hears the name Clark Kent and she recognizes it. She didn't even know what a tree is. You think she knows who Clark Kent <laughs> or is? Or what the suit is, or that the bunny rabbit that comes up to her face isn't a deadly animal. That suit thing really made me mad. I was really mad about it. She had on this nice, pretty dress. She, why couldn't she just show up in the pretty dress? Exactly. And then find out her cousin has a similar costume and then be like, I'm going to get that. I mean, I don't really think there's a good explanation for the costume. Like, she has to have it, but, like, she's only on Earth for a few days. So, 
I don't. I think they probably just did it because there's really no good explanation for her even having a costume at all. So why not just throw it on her? It also has the problem of that she has these powers that she can look at someone's costume and then change into it. Oh yeah, it's like, that makes no sense. How can she do that? Yeah, she could have just seen a picture of her cousin and been like, "I'm going to do that." That that makes more sense since That's she's already stupid. shown. To, well, later on, she's shown to have that power. <laughs> She can do that with the Superman costume. All she has to do is just look at the bloody poster in uh, Lucy's room. Oh, there you go. Bam. Mm-hmm. Today we'll be discussing Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's It sucks to be a fan of someone who sucks. <laughs> no, I understand that. Chinatown's one of my favourite movies of all time. I think Chinatown's quite a, you know, it's almost a masterpiece of a movie. But then... Roman Polanski's a raping scumbag. You know? Yeah. Jeepers Creepers. I, the horror movie Jeepers Creepers. I like the first movie. I like Jeepers Creepers. And then Victor Salva is, you know, a disgusting human being who rapes children. Still uh, gets work, but rapes children. My my pro tip for anybody listening who has this problem either with um, Joss Whedon or somebody like J.K. Rowling or Woody Allen or Roman Polanski is that... Um, there's always ways to enjoy these things without giving these people money. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always buy DVDs, Blu-rays, books used. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they get much money off streaming. I don't know. I don't um, think so. So I, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, I think writers don't make a lot of money off streaming. So even if streaming something did give them money, it wouldn't be a ton. Or record the off TV. <laughs> Yeah, like there's 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 ways to enjoy your things without financially supporting these people, which in the end is the thing that will actually hurt them. Like just sitting there being like, I'm not going to watch these DVDs I already own. Mm -hmm. Like if you can't stomach it, you can't stomach it. But like that's not going to punish them. Right. Yeah. Um, And like I said before, buying merchandise that is unofficial um, and goes to smaller artists. Mm -hmm. Um, And these people worked hard on this stuff, you know, like. I mean, this movie's hilarious to me because not only was it written by Joss Whedon, but like Christy Swanson sucks. <laughs> she loves Trump. She's yeah. she. I don't like her. <laughs> but I'm going to so, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll talk about Christy okay. Swanson. Okay. Okay. No, I. I mean, my theory based on just the things I've read, um, especially that essay his wife wrote a few his ex wife wrote a few years ago, is that it sounds like he didn't become a monster. Well. Plenty of people get power and don't be- become monsters. Yeah. So there was clearly something in him that was yes. capable of this stuff, but that he didn't he didn't start acting like a monster until he got the show. Mm. So um, yeah, he and didn't I have think, any power here in this movie. Yeah, he had none. Well, and and he walked off the set because he was so unhappy with the changes they were making. So at worst, it sounds like, and I'm just basing this off the things I've read. I obviously don't yeah. have any experience or anything, but like. Um, based on what I've read, it just sounds like, if anything, he was just, like, a bitter writer at this point. Yeah, well, I've read the comic book that is based on his original script. Mm-hmm. And it's better than the movie, you know, and it's more sort of dramatic. It's like an episode of Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a comedy. His original script probably would have made a better movie, I think. I have no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I haven't even read it. I haven't read that comic, but... Yeah. Um, 
I I have no doubt that his his original script I think his original script of everything would have been better. Um some of the funniest lines in Speed I don't know for sure if they're Joss Whedon lines, but they definitely sound like Joss Whedon lines. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can kind of tell when you watch a movie that he has um done a rewrite on mm-hmm. what came from him. Yeah. And that's to say with um, um someone like Quentin Tarantino that mm-hmm. he did a lot of rewrites and you could tell um, because, like in um, *Crimson Tide*, they have a discussion about the Silver Surfer for absolutely no reason, um, and that was, you know Quentin Tarantino wrote that. So, um, oh, Quentin Tarantino is also scum. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you can yeah, still well, enjoy his movies because I again think *Pulp yeah. Fiction's a masterpiece. But there you go. Um, I love problematic men. Yeah, <laughs> apparently so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Like I said, I think it's power, right? Yeah, but you can still like stuff. You can still give yourself that. You can still like stuff mm-hmm. that is made by problematic people. Mm-hmm. Today we'll be discussing The Lost Boys. I understand that sex sells, and I understand that Joel Schumacher was obsessed with sex selling. Mm-hmm. Because like reading quotes from this movie, he's like talking about how sexy the vampires have to be and like how sexy vampires are. And it, Joel Schumacher likes to talk a lot about about the sexiness of everything. He does. But like even Batman. Yeah, nipples. Yeah. <laughs> but like no, it doesn't, you know, and you could have a movie be sexy without having a sex scene in it. Th- that just shows lack of imagination. Mhm. I mean, if they have to have sex, which they don't, because it's not part of the plot at all, they don't need to have sex. They like each other, we know. Um, mm-hmm. But if they have to have sex, just them waking up together when they hear the, the Lost Boys coming back is enough, I think. You don't need yeah. to have the whole sex scene with Cry Little Sister playing over it. Jill Schumacher was not great when it came to women. No, he wasn't, because I don't think he did many movies. I'm trying to think. No, because Falling Down's a man. What else? Phone Booth, was that him? That's a man. Yeah, Phone Booth. And, well, Phone Booth only had like four people. Yeah, I know. Uh, by the way, Phone Booth. I mean, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I remember it being a very, very good movie. Yeah. I really like Phone Booth. Yeah. Well, Flatliners. Julia Roberts is in Flatliners. I never saw that. Yeah. But yeah, what I do know about a lot of these movies is that they are very, very male. Yeah. Oh, Dying Young. All right. I mean, it's not like he never works with women. It just seems like it is more male. He directed Um, Dying Young. I didn't know that. (laughs) Maybe we need to watch more Joel Schumacher movies. Uh, Let's not say we did. Okay. No, he's, I mean, he he does, he's not awful. He's, He's made, you know, some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's awful at all. I like, I like this. I like Phone Booth. I like Saint Elmo's Fire. Yeah, I, I haven't tried to watch uh, Batman forever in a while, but when it came out, I really enjoyed it. Like, I think that his Batman movies they just skew younger, mm-hmm. and especially so, Batman you know, and Robin. That's that's. That's a captain. Being in middle school at the time, like I liked them. I I tried to watch Batman and Robin about six or seven years ago, and uh, I couldn't make uh-huh. it more than seven minutes into it. It was real bad. Uh-huh. But I remember really liking Batman Forever, and that soundtrack is good. I really like that soundtrack. Yeah, Got some U2, some PJ Harvey, some Seal. Uh-huh. I listened to that soundtrack so much. Yeah. 
Today we're going to be talking about the Mighty Ducks. I was actually, one of my problems was going to be the use of the word spaz. In the UK, the word spaz derived from the word spastic. Mm-hmm. And spastic is, is, in the UK, spastic is what retard is in the US. Oh. So, if you call someone a spastic, Mm-hmm. Or if you call someone who has difficulties, learning difficulties, or whatever that word, then that's you know that's kind of like calling them a retard in America. I did so, not know that. Yeah. Um, although I just I just googled it because I was curious that like that is on the ableist list. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does the first thing that comes up says like especially in the UK and Ireland, but like yeah, yeah it's the when it comes to ableist terms, that's the hardest. That's because there's always going to be one or two. That are just in your vocabulary that you never think about, like lame. Yeah. Like we're not supposed to say lame anymore. And it's really, really hard to get rid of that or like, um, stupid or dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, the list is so long. And so I'm sure I've seen spastic on that list, mm-hmm. but it's like, <laughs> I don't use the word spaz anymore. I think I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually end up just concentrating on the ones I do use regularly. It doesn't always work out so well. <laughs> but then again, there are some things like that. Like, I understand that you don't call someone retarded or a retard, and you don't call them, mm-hmm. call them spastic, because that is a horrible word. Mm-hmm. But especially, I mean, over here, growing up, that was like an actual insult. That was something that you would say. Or if we saw, like, um, disabled people, that I understand. But, like, saying that you're not allowed to say lame anymore... Mm-hmm or stupid um that that annoys me because it's like while i understand that some people may be upset the use of certain words like retard and spastic i don't think there's anything wrong with saying lame unless you are intending it to be an insult regarding disability Mm -hmm. because like to say oh i watched a movie and it was lame i'm not saying i watched a movie and it was like um it was retarded or, mm-hmm. you know, it reminded me of a disabled person. I'm just saying I didn't like the movie because it was shit. I never know what to think about some of the things that we're not supposed to say, like mm-hmm. um, like turning a blind eye or yeah. falling on deaf ears. Like, we're not supposed to say things like that. I know, that um, makes no sense. And just- I don't... I just try my best to avoid saying the things. Yeah, no, I know, because um, you don't want it... You don't want to insult anyone. You don't want to offend anyone. And yeah, I but I, I don't that, but. beat myself up about them the way I have other things. Um, especially because, like, if you take every term that you're, that, you know, that in the past few years maybe you found out are bad, mm-hmm. it's so much to concentrate on at once that I'm like, let me get rid of, like, guys, that's a thing that, like, we're not supposed to say anymore. And I know. That's when I understand better, even though... I, I mean, I, I, well, I mean, the people, I'm not the group that it offends, right? So, like, yeah. I can't say, like, well, that's bad. That's, you know, a silly thing to get upset mm-hmm. about. Um, so I just try, I, right now I'm just concentrating on things like that. <laughs> um, no, I know. I mean, are you even allowed to say, um, like, you beat yourself up anymore? Is that, are you allowed that? Because th- people self harm and so. stuff? Are you allowed to? Is that all right? Oh, you just uh, don't I, fucking I, know anymore. <laughs> I don't know. It's tough. It's <laughs> Today we'll be discussing My Father the Hero. And oh, before we get into anything, is I forgot to look it up. Gerard Depardieu, he did bad things, yes? Um, he's the guy who peed on a plane. But didn't he like in the whole Me Too thing? Oh, probably. I don't know. All right. Wow. 
I think I think he's a bad person. Yeah, he probably is. I think he did something bad. He's French. So <laughs> wow. I'm going to I'm going to start with my problems. And my problem okay. is Nicky is terrible. I'm going to go ahead and say my third problem, which will now be my first problem, that she's a sociopath. Yeah. Here's a quote from the movie. When I start lying, I can't stop. It's kind of addictive. Yep. There's something wrong with her. That is. That absolutely is. Yeah. Like, like at first, I'm like, this girl is, like, I, I thought they were doing a, a, a decent job at, like, your typical angry teen girl. Mm-hmm. But as the movie went on, I was like, no, this isn't normal. This isn't normal at all. Because they even show her, the very first time she, we, we meet her, and her dad's playing the piano, she smiles because she's happy to see her dad. But then her face changes, and then she's a devil. And it's like, she mm-hmm. does that throughout the movie. There's like parts of the movie where she's really nice to her dad, and she, she clearly loves her dad, or she, you know, she kisses him on the head and says, Good night, daddy, when he's sleeping. Well, she thinks he's sleeping. Um, stuff like that, and then to his face, she's a right devil. So yeah, there's clearly something wrong with this girl. Some of that I get because it's like he's been out of her life for years. He's an absent father, so she loves him. But I could understand not wanting him to know how she feels because he doesn't deserve it. But there's weird things like, well, first of all, the the lies she tells yeah. are super messed mm-hmm. up. I mean, she just goes so far with them, too. Um, Like, these elaborate backstories, I don't understand. No. Like, there's things like her looking out at the scenery, and she clearly thinks it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then, like, she can't even let her dad see that. I don't know. She, she just goes, it's okay. She just, she's a sociopath. <laughs> Today we'll be discussing Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, shit, Jen, we're going to get cancelled, because last week it was... Um, Roger Ebert this week is George Lucas. Roger Ebert loved this he movie. He did love this In fucking fact, movie. In fact, I read... Oof. Uh, <laughs> um, I read that Siskel and Ebert... So one time, uh, like, Kate Capshaw was on The Tonight Show promoting this movie. And this is mm-hmm. back in the day when, I guess, in the UK they still do this, but here they, they don't really, where it's like, you know, the first guest would come on and they would stay for the next guest. Yes. And so... Um, Kate Capshaw was on and then Siskel and Ebert came on and they were giving their review of this movie and they were going on and on and on about how terrible the actress was in the movie. And she was like, uh, don't talk about me. Like I'm not sitting right here. Can you like, how rude? Seriously? Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. So I don't feel bad about saying bad things about Roger Ebert. I think many grown men will say bad things about George Lucas, depending on what they're talking about, because so many of them hate the prequels yeah. for, for Star Wars. And honestly, at some point, I'm going to say some things about the fourth movie that'll get me canceled. So <laughs> one thing I want to add to your thing about the darkness is... um especially since we talk about ratings a lot uh i read on wikipedia in response to some of the more violent sequences in the film and with similar complaints about gremlins spielberg suggested that the mpa alter its rating system by introducing an intermediary between pg and r ratings the mpaa concurred and a new pg-13 rating was introduced two months after the film's release so this film helped lead to pg-13 which apparently a lot of people think this and gremlins are both pg-13 but they they are not because it didn't exist but um like red dawn was the first one or no sorry the flamingo kid flamingo Um, kid was the first one rated um pg-13 but red dawn 
Dawn was the first one released as PG-13, so technically yeah. it's Red Dawn is the first. PG and R are su- such very different things. This movie had a lot of trouble in the UK, uh, and I'm just going to read this. Uh, to avoid a 15 certificate in the UK, with the sacrificial ceremony said to be bordering on 18, according to a letter sent by the BBFC to um, United International Pictures in 1984. That, there's no way it would have been an 18 now, but back then, they were very strict. The BBFC cut one minute and six seconds from the film and later said that it was one of the strongest PG ratings they had ever issued. Among the cuts were a heart rip from a sacrificial victim and his lowering into a blazing pit, edits to a whipping scene and the fight between Indiana Jones and the overseer, and the removal of a shot of a man's head hitting the side of a cliff. The line, leave him alone you bastards, was changed to just leave him alone. And sounds of screams and violence were also considerably reduced. The PG-rated print was the only version available in the UK for many years until October 2012, when all the cuts were fully waived for a 12-rated Blu-ray release. So yeah, we couldn't watch this fucking movie uncut (laughs) until 2012. That's crazy. I know. It is ridiculous. I mean, I I don't like the movie much, (laughs) but censorship bothers me more. Yeah. Today we'll be discussing I Still Know What You Did Two Summers Ago. Yeah. Uh, which is what the title called. should be. I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Like, it should bother me more just the fact that the entire movie doesn't make sense, but this just really pissed me off. So near the end, she sees these graves, right? She sees a Ooh. gravestone that has her name on it. And she goes, guys, what? What's the date today? She knows what the date is today. It is July friggin' 4th. She... She has had like her the last two July fourths have kind of been the worst ones ever for her. Mm-hmm. She like how that line really pisses me off because there's no reason she would need to ask that. And you might like the only reason I could think of they would write that is because they want to remind us that that's mm-hmm. the date. We know. We know yeah. that's the date. The 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 audience isn't going to question. Oh wait, is today July fourth? Is it tomorrow? You know what I mean? Like it. Yeah. It's so stupid, and it makes her look stupid, and I just hate it. What's today's date? She knows Uh what the date is. Yeah. Because that's the only reason I could think of for that line, is just for the audience. That means that they think we are complete idiots. Yeah. So I feel personally insulted. Yeah. And also, like, we we saw the previous movie. You know, we, Mm -hmm. we know. We're not going to see I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Unless we've seen the well, you know what? Some people do. I mean, and and you know, let's let's say let's say you're out with your girlfriend and she drags you to this movie and you Mm. don't care about this movie, whatever. You didn't see the first one, but you're Mm. gonna go see this movie. They've still established that it is July Fourth weekend many many times throughout this movie. So you would have to have not only not seen the first one, but have not been paying attention at all at the beginning. And if you're not paying attention at the very beginning of a movie. Then why are you at the movies? It's, it's pointless. There is no need. Give that line to someone else. It, you know, it. Although this, this you still know what fucking date yeah. it is. I understand this is a sequel that is rushed out because of the success of the first movie. That's standard. It's been standard for decades, right? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you have something like Home Alone 2 where, like, you can tell some care is put into trying to figure out how to get us to like where Kevin's alone. Mm-hmm. Although there are holes in that one and there are no holes at all in Home Alone to like how he's alone. And yeah, then there's no, things. No, it's a perfect movie. And th- it is. And then there's things like Scream 2 where it's rushed out 
like, so it comes out a year after the first, but you can tell Kevin Williamson, even though he only had a few months to write it, although Mm. I know he had plans already, that like he has thought out like why this is happening, who the killers are going to be. Yeah. There is there is some care that has been put but it into makes, this. But it also makes sense that they mm-hmm. are in college now. Yeah. This movie, no care has put into this movie. No. They have rushed this out. No one has thought it through. Because the thing is, it's so convoluted. If the people making it cared at all, they could throw in a little bit more exposition to maybe explain something. They could have changed a couple things. Like, the, no one... Did anybody in this movie involved in this movie even want to make it besides like small characters who are like happy to have a job um and it is crazy and then i was like well you know at least they went for some more diversity this time uh because the first one's super white but then it turns Mm -hmm. out uh carla was supposed to be white but then brandy auditioned and was just really good yeah i it's hard to watch a movie when you're just when you don't feel like anyone cares i know Today we'll be discussing The Wizard, which is a 90-minute commercial for Nintendo and Universal Studios. Uh, yeah, so my positive is the cinematography. Okay. It's a good-looking movie. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't... I'm not saying it doesn't deserve to be a good-looking movie. It just yeah. seems like the sort of movie that it wouldn't be. But, like, a lot of the outside shots and all that are gorgeous, especially in HD. Mm-hmm. I like the opening scene because of how it looks, but I don't like it being two minutes of a song and credits playing and it's just someone walking. I don't like yeah. that sort of thing. But I do like how it looks. So, yeah, that's my positive. The cinematography, I think, is a good look movie. If you think about the origin of this mm. movie, that, like, Nintendo wants to make a movie about their product, this movie has no business being as good as it is. No. No, you're right. It really doesn't. This movie should not be like because, th- like I said, it's a legit movie. Like it, I don't know why I'm so shocked that it really was just made for a commercial, basically. Mm-hmm. But like this movie shouldn't be as quality as it is, especially if you look at other movies from around this time. Like look at Little Monsters. Mm-hmm. Okay, this movie should not be this good. Little Monsters not so great. And that's the same time with the same star. Yeah, like, same year, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, they, they took a capitalist reason for making this uh-huh. movie, which I mean, that's the reason for most movies, right? It's Money. Like capitalism. But they actually did something pretty good with it. And I like that. I mean, despite my complaints about the product placement in this, it is still quite a solid drama. I don't like the fact that they they keep losing their money. They keep getting beat up and losing their money. It happens yeah. too often. It's a yeah. bit weird. But um, but yeah, no, it's, I don't hate it, Jen. It's fine. It's <laughs> I like this movie. <laughs> Uh, so that's all I have time for. You can follow the podcast at Drop the Pipe Pod. You can go to shiftedbench.co.uk. Contact at shiftedbench.co.uk is the email address. We can send us feedback. Please let us know that Jen's right and I'm wrong. Um, no, I, I don't like the movie. Um, where can people find you on the internet, Jen? Uh, I tweet from at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. And obviously, that's where I tweet. <laughs> um, I also, that's the name of my podcast, which I hear we're going to do another episode <gasps> soon. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, I also have uh, Closer to Free, which is my Party of Five Rewatch podcast. Excellent. Uh, Thank you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. California!